Hello and welcome to the Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson. The Local Leaders Podcast provides a platform for successful business owners to share their stories, their experiences, their advice, and their ideas in order to help our listeners achieve more success in their business and in their lives. Get ready. Another great show is coming up. Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Local Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Johnson, and we are uh, thrilled to have you with us today, and we're uh, super excited as well um, to bring to you our special guest for the day uh, from Goodwood Brewing and Spirits. Uh, We have Mr. Well, I just froze up. We have Mr. Ted Mitzliff. Did I get Mitzliff right, Ted? Yes, sir. That's pretty close. Ah, easier to say after about two or three bourbons. Well, that always makes it easier. And and when you got a name like Jeff Johnson, you know, you just don't learn how to say anything else. It's just (laughs) so plain and simple. But uh, thank you for being here today, Ted. We do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And, um, you know, we'd love to kind of share your story with our listeners and uh, kind of give them an opportunity to learn more about Goodwood and, and what you guys have have been doing uh, over in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, other states that we'll talk about. Uh, so if you don't mind, I'll just ask you to kind of tell us all about Goodwood and, and what it's all about. Okay. Well, it, it, uh, it, it kind of started off as a really small production brewery. We purchased, uh, there were about uh, seven of us back in 2005. We purchased a small uh, little production craft brewery and uh, we had another guy that was running it, managing partner, and we found out the hard way. Uh, he was taking some uh, extreme liberties with his expenses, shall we say. Mm-hmm. So in 2013, they asked me to take it over, uh, which I did. Uh, I had a chemical business previously, which I had sold. And uh, uh, we started uh, down a different path when I took it over. It was uh, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, so it was more about growth and uh, quality product development. So uh, one of the things we did was hire a marketing firm to go back and, and tell us our strengths and weaknesses. We, we had purchased the Bluegrass Brewing Company and we were operating under that name, which we were licensing. We didn't own the brand. Uh, mm-hmm. We were just licensing the name. So basically we were growing a brand we didn't own. So the, the marketing firm came back to me and said, let's, uh, let's rebrand this, which was music to my ears. So we, uh, we rebranded as Goodwood and 2015, and uh, and here we are today. Uh, that, that that's a great story, and and I would imagine if it were me, was there was there concern or uh, fright, you know, with actually changing the brand? Was or was that an easy decision? Well, uh, yes and no. Anytime you're going into the unknown, there's concern. But uh, I felt very good. The the marketing firm that that we use, Doe Anderson, they do all of the makers mark. Uh, branding and marketing. They mm-hmm. also do a lot with Beam, and they're they're the biggest company, uh, biggest marketing company in Kentucky. So I had the utmost confidence. Plus, the uh, president is a uh, close buddy of mine. So if it went south, uh, he'd have to hear it from me. Yeah, so, and that's uh, <laughs> yeah, you, and you don't you don't want to mess up a friendship over the the business. So I'm sure he was really careful with it as well. Yeah, no, it was great. It was great. So uh, so we we grew it. Uh, you know, pretty rapidly, really. We had to recapitalize the company and I was in bad shape when I took it over. 
So, uh, so we recapitalized it. I ended up with majority shares and we, uh, we were in 16 states pre-COVID um, for beer distribution. We started doing a bourbon in 2019. Uh, that's in four states. Then uh, we added food service. Uh, the, really, we were dabbling in food trucks for a while, and that just was too inconsistent. And we tried partnering with some other restaurants to run a, a little restaurant that we put in here. We built a kitchen, a commercial kitchen, and, uh, and that didn't really grow, go great. So we took it over and started doing our own food service here. And I realized quickly uh, the importance of, of food. It's one thing to have great beer and, and great spirits, but uh, people aren't going to stay. They're going to get hungry and they're going to leave. So uh, we, we decided to create uh, equally good food. So in, in, uh, in 2019, that was launched. Then uh, during COVID, uh, uh, oddly enough, we, we grew quite a bit. Uh, we had opened a, another restaurant, a full, big restaurant with a, a, a brew pub, big restaurant, small brewery, kind of mm-hmm. the inverse of what we're doing in Louisville. Uh, in, uh, in Frankfurt, Kentucky, and that was doing quite well. Um, and then during COVID, uh, we were shut down not once but twice by our governor. And uh, so it was very difficult for us, but fortunately, uh, several investors and I stepped up and kept the company solvent. Then uh, in, uh, as things kind of started to, to, to move out of the, the, the shutdown anyway, and then slowly reopening, we, we acquired another uh, restaurant in Lexington, Kentucky, that had gone out of business, converted that to a brew pub, and uh, that really gave us uh, an opportunity to to grow our brand. And uh, I hired some quality people that had been displaced during COVID. One had been with the Darden Group uh, for a long time, Craftworks, so he had extensive corporate experience. He had opened 140 Darden uh, locations. So uh, for him to come on board was, uh, you know, a game changer for us. Uh, all of a sudden, our, our labor uh, uh, costs were in line. Our food costs were in line. Our quality went up. You know, he knew who to hire. I could look at a spreadsheet and tell you or our labor cost was too high or our food cost was too high, but I couldn't walk in the kitchen and fix it. Right. So uh, he, could, he could fix it. So that was great. Then we uh, found another location in Indianapolis, Indiana. It had been a Ram uh, brew pub, it's a large facility in the heart of downtown, uh, heart of the entertainment district uh, in Indianapolis, tied to the convention center, close to Lucas Oil, uh, so close to the, the basketball arena. So we acquired that, and uh, that's been fantastic for us. It's done really well. And then uh, getting ready to open uh, Columbus, Ohio, under the same pretense, uh, there was a Gordon Biersch in Columbus in the arena district that went out of business as well. So uh, we're in the process of uh, getting all of our applications in with the ABC and hopefully we'll have that open in uh, February. Wow. That's, that, that's a whole lot of action going on. Ted. It, it's been busy. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, and you've done most, most of that growth or at least a large part of that growth during COVID. Is that accurate? Yes, sir. Yeah, it was, mm-hmm. uh, it was certainly not easy, but uh, you know, you, you want I'm not, I don't want to call it an opportunity. Uh, you know, I, I don't like to, to think of it as, uh, you know, I'm, but right. with every cloud, there's a silver lining. And, uh, and we were able to find locations that, uh, that had gone out of business and uh, uh, take them over. You know, I look at it as, you know, we're reinvesting in those communities. We're rehiring people that had lost their, uh, lost their jobs. So 
uh, we're, we're adding, we went from, our company went from about 70 employees pre-COVID to five when we were shut down for the long period, the initial shutdown. And then now uh, we're at about 120 employees and we'll probably be uh, close to 300 by the end of 2022. That's a, that's a big operation. And, you know, you've had, to, I'm sure, probably invest in, uh, in the back office as well, or um, the management team to be able to, all the accounting and the payroll and, and all that. Is, is that. is that part of the plan as well? It is 100%. I'm, you know, my poor controller was stretched super thin for a while. And the uh, uh, same, you know, our whole logistics, uh, all that, that, you know, the office has put in a lot of overtime. Uh, and now that we're getting to the critical mass, uh, we're, we're bringing in more infrastructure for sure. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's a great story to hear. And, and you know, it's really inspiring to hear of, you know, a business that that is still still relatively young. I mean, you're 2015 when you kind of got rolling. And uh, here we are, what, six years later. And um, we're talking 300 people by the end of end of next year. So, wow. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Congratulations or condolences, whichever. The, uh, <laughs> the, the problems are, are fewer but bigger the more people you get, it seems. Yeah, I, I understand that completely. And, uh, but, it's, but it's so good to be able to see, you know, somebody succeeding. And, um, you know, and I know you're hesitant to say it was an opportunity with COVID, but, um, you know, that is the case for a lot of, a lot of businesses, a lot of restaurants, a lot of investors. Um, you know, the, the ones who are able to, especially on the restaurant side, who are able to adapt, um, you know, to the changes that, that COVID brought about and survive first, I guess, and then adapt. Um, you know, a lot of them have really done well and, and has provided some opportunity for growth. And I'm glad to see and our listeners are excited to hear that there's people that uh, have been in a position to take advantage of that. And if you can do it and your team, then it gives us all hope that we can do it as well. So. Right. Yeah. There's another brewery uh, in Louisville that's done a similar model. Uh, they're more localized, but uh, but they're I think they're opening their fifth or sixth location all local. And uh, it's the same type thing. They're going into opportunities that, uh, that that enable them to expand. Now, are you brewing um, in like one location and, and distributing to your other your your locations you're opening up? Or are you brewing in, in multiple? The answer would be yes to both. Uh, we have Louisville is our main production facility. So we produce all of our core beers uh, out of Louisville. And then we do a lot of barrel aging out of Louisville. We have a nice uh, barrel aging facility here and this is our basement. We, we like con- consistent temperature, just like a vineyard does. Uh, unlike, you know, bourbon, they want hot, cold, hot, cold. We want consistent temperature. So, uh, so we have a nice setup here for, for all that program. Then at each one of our locations, we have uh, a smaller brewery system uh, and that enables the brewer there to be very creative, create all the stuff that the beer nerds like, the, the super hoppy or the imperial stouts or the, the fruited uh, beers. So uh, they really have fun with it. They we produce seltzers, you know, whatever the whatever the market demands. And then we we basically do a milk run. We have a, a cargo van and uh, we send that thing on the road uh, at least three days a week, uh, sometimes four. And they'll deliver product, uh, pick up product, shuttle product. We have a, a meeting every Monday. Everyone shares their inventories and tap managers will at, at the different restaurants uh, will grab what they can, what they want. And uh, it, it's really fun. We do a lot of, a lot of horse trading between the company. 
Um, awesome to hear and, and a great setup. It looks like the infrastructure is is all in place to, to continue to be able to scale it up and, and to grow. And um, I'm curious, uh, before we, we jump into some of the challenges that you talked about, um, it just some of this has, has led me to start thinking about the, the technology side and um, how are you outfitting your your businesses in terms of technology? Are you are you doing the, the whole curbside delivery kind of model in addition to the experience uh, on premise? Yes, sir. Yeah. So we we do uh, carry out. We do delivery. We work primarily with DoorDash. Uh, we've worked with Uber Eats and other companies as well. Um, as far as uh, the, you know, the, on the technology side, uh, we've implemented uh, Toast at all of our locations, which give us uh, kind of a, a uniform uh, method to uh, the charge to uh, to monitor. Uh, it tracks all your costs. It's pretty good, soft, pretty robust software package. Uh, we just switched over all of our accounting to Restaurant 365, uh, which has been uh, a challenge because we've been on QuickBooks forever. We just we outgrew QuickBooks. So uh, the new program that we implemented while it took uh, my controller and logistics manager some time to, to get it implemented. And uh, we, I have my, my COO of, of the restaurants is, is very, uh, he's the guy from, from the Darden group. Uh, he, he's pretty astute. And then we are fortunate. Uh, we have our general manager in Lexington. Uh, she, she's forgotten more about uh, IT than I'll ever know. So, uh, so she's been instrumental in getting all the programs implemented and training everybody at the different locations as to our expectations and, and how to operate them. We've uh, integrated the production into that as well. That's one of the challenges. We're, we're essentially a three-legged stool with our production, uh, brewery and distribution, bourbon uh, distribution, and then, of course, the restaurants. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's unique uh, that we've in essence, we have three independent uh, companies that all function uh, on the same page as much as we can. Yeah, that is that is a, a interesting and, and complex, you know, type uh, thing to fit together. I mean, although it all goes together, you know, naturally, um, because you're you're supplying yourself in a lot of instances in terms of the restaurants, but it is, uh, I'm sure, three different businesses and. Um, the distribution part, did, were you guys, when, when you acquired the business, were, were they distributing prior to that? And have you just grown that piece or have y'all just built yeah. them from scratch? They were distributing in Louisville only. Um, yeah. So when we, we bought it, it, it was really a small facility. Um, and, and we had grown it to three states when, uh, when I took it over. And uh, uh, it was, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, it was in a terrible condition, right. um, unfortunately. You know, my predecessor, uh, we had uh, tapped all of our credit with all of our suppliers. Um, all the fermenters were empty. Um, we had, we basically were, were dead in the water. Mm-hmm. So when I took it over, not only did we have to fund it and, and, and prime the pump, but uh, I then had to go to our marquee clients like Kroger and beg uh, for them to keep our, our placements, uh, knowing full well that, that they weren't going to get beer for at least a month on our core beers and then several months on the barrel aged products because mm. it just takes takes a lot longer so that first first couple of years uh, every time my phone would ring uh i'd have a panic you know not knowing uh, who we owed and the the books were a mess so it was uh, uh it, it was an interesting time for sure i i learned uh, first and foremost uh 
uh, you know, trust but verify. Uh, you know, the guy that we had that was running the business we thought was was on the up and up. Turned out not so much. And then uh, uh, make sure that there are transparencies. So I I never touch the money uh, as managing partner. My controller uh, oversees that. We have uh, I have you know open the uh, book to uh, to all of our financials. I send out a PL every month that she generates. We have uh, I, I give access to all of our checking accounts to all of our investors. So there's really nothing that I'm not willing to share. That's- I want full accountability at my end. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that sounds kind of like the, you know, the corporate mentality of, of uh, you know, transparency and and um, all the different checks and balances that you have to have in place to ensure that we don't get ourselves, uh, you don't get in trouble. Uh, because, exactly. yeah, I mean, you, you can you can mistakenly get yourself in trouble, but you can also, um, you know, create mistrust and all that among your partners. And it sounds like you guys have that set up and, and well taken care of. Um, you know, in a, a very astute manner. So uh, again, it's, you know, that's a good lesson for all of us. Trust, but verify, be transparent, um, keep, keep the money and the power all separated and, and every, everyone with access. So yes, sir. lessons for all of our listeners out there. If uh, you're not doing some of that, uh, might be a great idea, especially if you've got partners in the business. Um, if they're not demanding it, you, sh- you know, demand it yourself. Yeah, the other thing that I've learned is uh, ask a lot of questions from other people that have been successful and read a lot. Uh, I'd much rather learn from someone else's mistakes than make them myself. So, uh, so that it's a lot cheaper that way. Yes, you're you're exactly right, and exactly you know the the reason why we started this podcast was to be able to, to speak to people like yourself who who kind of been you know had a had a journey that has uh, led to success and. Uh, we want to try to replicate as many things as we can from all the successful restaurateurs and entrepreneurs that we've had the opportunity to talk to. And uh, that's what our listeners are looking for is, you know, ideas and inspirations and good advice. Um, and um, again, on that inspiration piece, sometimes they just want to know that other people are going through similar challenges, right? Right. Right. Exactly. Misery loves company. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. But there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, we don't know where that end of the tunnel is, but I know there's a light on somewhere. Amen. Yes, sir. So any other challenges that um, before we get into the, the current state stuff, any other things that you really kind of ran up against when you took over in 2015 that you weren't expecting or uh, that, that surprised you that, that you've been able to learn some lessons from? Cash flow. Uh, and, you know, when you raise capital, uh, you, you you know, what you think it's easy to see in the short term, you know, I need X amount to, to, to get to the next payroll, to get a little bit of uh, equipment in for increased production, but to really do it when you go through that exercise, uh, aim high, uh, you know, I, I made, I was guilty of not raising enough and then having to go back time and again to, to investors or bring other people on. And that's a ton of energy and a ton of work when in reality, had I asked for more, uh, initially, I think they would have uh, given it, and then uh, it would have saved me a lot of time and effort, and uh, and truthfully, uh, probably gained more trust with them versus having to go back and, and ask you know for for more money uh, as we were growing because we grew fast and that and that took a lot of capital. Yeah, well, you you had a lot of stuff to fix to start with, so um, you know estimating and figuring all that out, I'm sure was a challenge, and and like you said. 
Um, had you had you asked for more to start with, it, it might have been a, a lot more sleep for you or a little less stress, if nothing else. Um, but, you know, that is a that's that's a tough lesson to learn. And it's, you know, when you start when you're forecasting and trying to kind of build this thing out and you're anticipating a certain level of growth, you know, as soon as you exceed that, you know, it costs more money. Exactly. So it's it, it, it's a tough one to hit. And uh, I'm sure you're your investors are uh, happy with what you've done and I'm glad that you were able to work it out and, and get, you know, get the funds that you needed to be able to get to where you are today. Yes, um, sir. So, you know, what's, what's next, you know, where are you going next? Where are you heading? Well, what's the plan? Well, uh, a lot of, a lot of things cooking. Our, our bourbon portfolio is growing. We've, uh, we started off just, at, you know, we take our used beer barrels which you know they were bourbon barrels initially then we put beer in them to finish the beer and then we reversed it we, we started putting bourbon in those used beer barrels gives it a unique flavor we buy high-end bourbon uh, on the market uh, and, and do that so it, that's been well received we have a stout finished uh, bourbon we have a walnut brown finished we have a, a brandy barrel honey ale finish and then we do a rye and an english mild barrel so that's that's going great we're going to expand our distribution there uh, but on the restaurant side, uh, we're really growing. We have contracts in Owensboro, uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky. I mentioned uh, Columbus, Ohio is going to open soon. Uh, we have a, a brew pub going in in Union, Kentucky. And then we're also looking at doing uh, sort of a top golf uh, concept for pickleball. The, the pickleball seems to have uh, caught the nation by storm. And, uh, and we're looking at doing a... Uh, the pickleball complex in, in Northern Kentucky where I'd put a distillery. It'd be our first distillery. And then uh, looking at another one in Western Kentucky uh, in Owensboro. And, uh, you know, unfortunately that area was hit hard by the tornadoes this week. Mm -hmm. um, our buildings were not hurt, but, uh, but that's certainly going to affect construction and materials and whatnot. And uh, the, the location that we're targeting in Bowling Green uh, not only did it survive, but it's a, it's a pretty massive building. Uh, they're using that presently as a, as a drop station for emergency supplies. So that's, uh, I guess if there's, you know, I, I'm glad about that. We're able to help there. And then uh, we also did a fundraiser at, at all of our locations. For every pint we sold uh, all weekend, we donated money to, uh, uh, to emergency relief uh, in those counties. Yeah, it was just, it was, um, every time I turn on the news the last three or four days, it's, it's dramatic and um, heartbreaking to see, you know, the destruction that, that, that occurred from all those tornadoes. And, um, you know, it's only been a few days. So, um, you know, we, we wish everyone in those areas the best and, and hope to, that, that they can recover, hope their loved ones are safe. And, um, and thank you, you know, from them for doing what you guys have done so far to help with that effort. Well, we're happy to help and, and sorry we have to. Uh, it's, it's one of those things. Yeah, it sure is. Well, um, let, me, let me ask you, I'm, I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but, but let me backtrack a little bit on, on challenges to current, current day. And, you know, with such a, a growth mode that you're in, um, you know, the, there's, there's been three major hurdles that, that all of our restaurant owners are facing, and that is, you know, food costs, food prices, and, and staffing. And in growth mode, you know, staffing is going to be critical for you. So have you guys 
been severely impacted there? If not, you know, what are you doing? What do you plan to do to kind of bolster that effort and be able to get the people you need? Yeah, well, it's it's been challenging on all fronts for sure. Uh, you know, the biggest uh, the, the thing we saw initially the fuel uh, price increases that that affects everything. So that started the the ball rolling on the supply side, where we saw a lot of price increases coupled with inability to get truck drivers, inability to get labor. So uh, so yeah, there were there were issues for sure. Uh, fortunately. Uh, we're large enough uh, and our growth is significant enough that our vendors have actually been reducing our costs, uh, particularly prior to the, uh, the, the price hikes. Uh, so we saw a significant reduction in our food pricing prior to the, the increases. So it really offset a lot of, uh, a lot of the hit we took on the, uh, on the price increase. That said, we did have to increase our, our menu costs a little bit. Uh, but but not tremendously. Uh, we had our first price increase on the beer side in five years. So we, mm. we've always focused on trying to keep our costs down. But when your cost of cans go up, cost of shipping goes up, and all your raw materials go up, you you and your labor, we're you know we're paying fifty percent more uh, uh, in labor uh, in the plant than we used to. So uh, you know a lot of things uh, caused the the price increase. So. Uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, it's it's part of doing business in this uh, crazy world, and uh, and we've been able to to absorb it and and pass some of it along. But uh, you know, a lot of it we we just we were in a position where our margins started to grow uh, right before they shrunk. So right. uh, <laughs> we we kind of used to it. And then uh, on the labor side, uh, you know, fortunately, in in some of the markets that we're in, where our our employees you know, get paid well, not only in the, in the kitchen, but uh, uh, in front of the house and the restaurants. So uh, they know they're going to make money uh, working for us. So we haven't had a tremendous difficulty staffing uh, compared to some, but, uh, but there are certainly challenges. And uh, our, our restaurant in Indianapolis, because it serves big events, we're, we're right across the, the, the street, as I mentioned, from the convention center, mm-hmm. uh, which Indianapolis is a tremendous uh, convention town. Um, then you have the the home football games. Uh, anytime the Colts play, uh, you know we're packed. So we're four or five blocks from the stadium. So we will actually bring up labor from some of our other locations and put them up in Indianapolis to to offset uh, some of that that crushing demand that we'll get when when they have a big event. Wow. So that's that's fortunate. You know we we we've been able to to skirt it so far. Then on the the supply side, uh, Cisco is our primary uh, food supplier, and then we have uh, several other uh, creation gardens and uh, several other smaller uh, kind of higher end uh, food supply. We have conversations with them weekly, at least, about what they're seeing, uh, issues they're having. So we're able to look at alternatives if if there's going to be an issue with a certain cut of meat or a, a certain uh, uh, style uh, that, that we get from them. We, we can uh, kind of alter uh, our supply, our next orders to make sure we don't run out. That uh, We might have to tweak something on the menu here or there, but we're able to maintain uh, a pretty consistent supply. And then they, they forecast several issues. Uh, like we do a lot of shrimp and grits. We're, we're a, a kind of a Southern cuisine, Southern focused cuisine. Uh, so when they told us that we were going to have some trouble with shrimp and grits, potential uh, issues with, uh, with, with other, other cuts, mainly in the, in 
seafood, we actually altered our menu. We were coming out with a new menu anyway, and we made changes to the menu to uh, kind of prepare for that. And uh, you know, when when items are available, we'll run specials when we can get them, and when we can't, uh, you know, it, it really won't affect our main menu. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the one of the big things that uh, successful uh, restaurants have been able to do is to adapt um, to the availability of ingredients um, and be able to you know change on the fly, so to speak, and um, you know, change your menus and, and be able to uh, execute, you know, those new items and new ingredients uh, quickly and efficiently. So, uh, you know, you've got to have, you've got to have a strong back of the house, a strong kitchen, a strong chef, a, a strong team to be able to pull that off. Uh, but, but people who can do it, you know, have, have found a lot more success. Yeah. And it's, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, certain things you can think about, we do our own line of uh, beer infused sauces, everything from mild up to extreme heat and uh the the extreme heat right now we can't get the ghost pepper uh so we're we're waiting there's a shortage of ghost peppers so so it's just it's very interesting kind of what uh, uh what you can and can't get and it, it really doesn't make uh, a whole lot of rhyme or reason but uh you know you just have to roll with it uh, is that sauce business um part of the distribution side as well or just a uh, little bit yeah. We did, we mainly did it, uh, you know, our chefs love to play and, uh, they, they came up with a great line of sauces and, uh, we're having them produced, you know, they're all to our spec with, uh, with, with diff- each one has a different beer, uh, infused in it. So it, it's very creative to the brand. And we, we sell a lot more of them out of our own locations that we do actually, you know, we do have placement at liquor stores and grocery stores, uh, in our region. But, uh, when people go into our restaurants and they try them, uh, they buy them. So they're, they're really good. And we sell them in little pint bottles, which is kind of fun. So, uh, so it's, it's, it's been, been a nice addition to our brand and uh, a fun way to, to stay in front of the clients. No, I, I like that idea. And it sounds really good too. Um, you know, I'm sure, and I haven't mentioned yet the, uh, uh, the website. So if you want to toss that out there for anybody listening, that may want to uh, check out uh, some of these details and some of the goodies that are available. Um, Please feel free. Yeah, Goodwood.beer. Um, of course, we were uh, initially a brewery, so uh, so it's still Goodwood.beer, and and uh, the, everything's available. They can order it online. Uh, we'll ship it out. Just this last year, our state finally passed uh, alcohol sales by mail. So if people want to try our beer or our spirits, they can order that from uh, the website as well. Wow, that's that's awesome. It's it's amazing what uh, technology and uh, internet and distribution and and all that can do for for you and for your business. And you know, it just goes to show that there's more than one way to grow. Uh, you guys are, as you said, kind of on that uh, three tiered or three three legged uh, stool model with with three different businesses, you know, working together and running together, but. Uh, we don't always have to open new restaurants or create new concepts. You know, there's ways to to, to work to maximize the revenue potential of what you got and before you take it, you know, out to another location. So. Right. And, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Rebecca Redding, she's head of our marketing and, uh, uh, and her assistant, Katie, uh, till it, they, they do a remarkable job of covering, uh, you know, the three divisions, marketing the three divisions, and then they oversee all of our uh, online sales as well. So they're not only out promoting, uh, all the various uh, entities, but they're also running the shop behind the scenes. So 
uh, kudos to them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was going to ask about the, you know, that marketing side as well. And, and just, just curious, and I, and, and I know Rebecca probably could give us the, uh, the, the detailed answer, but just in general is, you know, is the, is the marketing plan different for each business or is it all somewhat similar? Uh, somewhat similar. Um, the, the majority of our marketing is done online, uh, which has been a shift in our industry. Uh, you don't see as much uh, radio advertising, television advertising uh, as you used to. You still do with the big brands, but you, you don't really see that in the craft side. And uh, while we have done uh, some radio advertising and uh, di- different types of marketing, we sponsor a lot of events. We find that yeah. you know, kind of the grassroots organic marketing is, is a great way to, to get in front of people and, and really develop more loyalty. If you sponsor a little league team or uh, you know, sponsor an event or a festival that, that gets you in front of the people that, that will keep coming back. So that's, that's really what we've tried to focus on. And then for social media, that's, uh, that, that's where everybody seems to get their, their information now. And it, it's mind blowing to me when I see how many tens of thousands of people go to our web pages or, or, or Google, uh, uh, our brand. It's, it's, it's really mind blowing. Yeah, I, I would imagine that it would be, especially again in such a short period of time, because you know we're only talking six, seven years, and um, you know to be able to kind of blow it up and uh, to get that reach to to such a broad audience, and and now you can go go and sell all over the U.S. So uh, I'm sure that's going to do nothing but continue to climb. And um, um, you know, congratulations to Rebecca and Katie for all the great work they've done. So <laughs> that's the right. Yeah, now, now get us some more business while y'all are at it, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Never, it never stops. It never stops. But um, well, thank you for sharing. You know the the some of those ideas and 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 kind of where you're what, what you're doing on on the marketing side because you know a lot of our uh, our listeners uh, have kind of moved as you said away from traditional marketing and over toward more online uh, social media focused marketing and. Um, you know, we're, we're just not seeing that that old school way uh, working anymore. And uh, and now the challenge for a lot of independent owners and operators is to to get to the point where they can have a, um, a Rebecca and a Katie uh, to be able to help them with it. Because it's, you know, if you're operating the business and, and you're working inside the business day to day, it's really tough to take on that that marketing piece. So um, any advice to, to those folks who are struggling to, to really have the time uh, to get on the marketing front? Where would, where would you tell them to, to kind of put their effort? Um, well, I guess, you know, every restaurant is different and in, in different demographic uh, that they're going after. But, uh, but, you know, I would certainly try to ascertain who your, who your clients are and figure out how to reach them, uh, you know, whether it's an older clientele or, or if you're trying to attract the younger uh, clients definitely, uh, you know, kind of try to read your read your your market, your demographic, and then uh, seek expertise. Uh, marketing is not my forte. I'm a guy. I make the trains run on time. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm very I guess you call it right brain, and uh, I I rely heavily on on marketing folks because uh, uh, you know it's just not my not my shtick. Yeah. So I. I think that's one of the hardest things in business when you're going from a smaller business to a larger business is 
recognizing your blind spots, your shortcomings as a leader and trying to surround yourself with people that can fill those gaps. And then, then stretching your, your staff uh, to the point, you know, where, where you don't want to over uh, tax them, but, but certainly, uh, you know, before you invest a ton, let, let's, let's use our resources that we have, try to grow the business as much as you can with the staff you have. And then at, at certain points, you, you hit certain benchmarks, then you can bring on uh, additional uh, help. But it's, uh, it's interesting. And, and some of our best ideas have come from the most unlikely folks, you know, guys that, uh, you know, might be at the, the uh, might be a, somebody that's in maintenance or somebody that, you know, is a, is a line cook or uh, you know, someone in the office might come up with a great marketing uh, idea that, mm-hmm. uh, that where their, their expertise might be in finance. So uh, be, be open to all ideas and, and try things. That's one thing that we've always done is enable our, our management team uh, to, to try things, to do, you know, see what works in your restaurant, your location. Uh, you know, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but yeah. don't be afraid to, to take a risk. Great advice right there. Um, and risk-taking is, is the forte of uh, most entrepreneurs anyway. So, um, but, but sometimes, like you said, you've got to kind of step back and, and think about it. And, and I think the biggest challenge I hear people talk about is, is you know, that especially the, the, the single unit operators who are, are much involved in the day-to-day is, is it's hard to justify the investment on the marketing side because it's, you know, they're not able to just quickly see the return you know it's right like we're already busy you know we can't find people you know we don't need any more customers uh blah 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 and uh it, it's you know it's a misnomer because you know you got to continue to grow you're gonna you're gonna uh, lose customers along the way you got to continue to replace them continue to be in front of them and be relevant um and find a way to to continue to grow because as you said earlier if you're not growing you're dying and, Absolutely, uh, and you know I truly believe that, and encourage all our listeners to uh, find a way to make sure they're staying in front of and being relevant with their uh, their customers. So, thank you for that. Hey, um, as we get close to kind of wrapping this thing up, I, I told you time would go by quickly. Um, let me just ask you about, um, I guess, training and development, or maybe leadership development within the organization as, as you've grown. Uh, you know, to such a, a larger level, um, one of the one of the great benefits you got for for staffing and recruiting and and things is that you got a lot of opportunity due to your growth. Um, how are you, or what are you guys doing to kind of develop those those future leaders of uh, these other new business units that are coming up? Well, I think the 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 key to the success of any business, any relationship, any I mean, uh, it, you know, is communication, uh, and whether it's uh, you know, between you and your management team, between the management team and their uh, people, you know, it's essential that you have open and honest communication as it is with the relationship with your wife or mm-hmm. your friends or, or anybody really. And uh, so that's, that's where it all starts. Then you have to enable your management to, uh, to, to do it their way, uh, you know, give them parameters, give them goals, uh, but at the end of the day, they've got to run their team and they know their team and you have to trust that you, you can't, I'm not, you know, you, you, if you micromanage, you're only going to muddy the water. That's yeah. uh, you, you have to let somebody uh, take the reins and, and go with it. And, and you set up benchmarks, uh, you know, scorecards, if you will, 
to, uh, to, to make sure that, that what they're doing is successful. And if it's not, then uh, you, you, know, you can address it. But ultimately, you have to, you have to enable your management team uh, to succeed and, and give them the tools they need to succeed. I always laugh, my, my main job is to remove hurdles. So come yeah. to me with a problem uh, and a recommended solution and, uh, and we'll, we'll try to fix it. I like that. And, and you're exactly right, especially from a leadership perspective, you know, as you're, as you're trying to lead your team, um, you're exactly right. You know, get knock down doors and uh, uh, knock down walls, get everything out of the way so that people can be successful. Um, and as you say, create those opportunities and, and um, you know, the, you mentioned parameters and, and scorecards and things like that. You can set that, but let them do it their way. And uh, if you've got the right people, they'll find a way to, to, to make it right. So awesome, man. Yeah, that's, that's a ton of great advice. I was taking notes as we went. Um, I've got a whole page full of them over here. Um, and I know that our listeners are going to appreciate all the things that you've had to share. Is there anything that I haven't asked you about or um, that you wanted to mention or, or talk about? I just want to make sure I give you the opportunity as well. No, we're, we're very excited about the future and, uh, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be in the great state of North Carolina eventually and uh, a little closer to your home. Yeah, I, I hope so. And in the meantime, I'm, I'm, I may have to check out some of those uh, um, sauces that we were talking about earlier. Yes, uh, sir. Yeah, that sounds amazing and, and something that uh, we might be able to pull off uh, a whole lot quicker or uh, anybody in the, in, you know, in the areas uh, in Louisville or all the other areas where uh, where Goodwood is, if, if you're a listener and you're in those areas, be sure to stop in and check these guys out. Um, you know, let them know you heard about them from the Local Leaders Podcast and um, uh, bring your friends and have a good time. So that's what it's all about. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for, for having Goodwood on the, uh, on the podcast and uh, keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Ted. We, we appreciate you being on and, um, and sharing with us and spending your time give us some great advice and, uh, and counsel. And for all our listeners, I hope you enjoyed uh, our show with Ted uh, from Goodwood. And uh, we appreciate you being here uh, as a listener and I uh, hope you'll um, support uh, our guests and their businesses that are on the Local Leaders Podcast. And we look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Local Leaders Podcast. You can find us at www.jeffzpodcast.com or jeffcjohnson.com and don't forget to follow us on instagram twitter facebook linkedin and youtube thanks again for listening and be sure to come back every monday and wednesday for our next episode